It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. Four zero eight zero seven six five four four seven four zero eight zero. Always love hearing from you guys. It's a little bit of a slow Thursday, but uh, still some topics to discuss. Let's start with your need to know news. Here's your need to know news. Well, all eyes are on the NFL schedule release today. The we do know this. Here's the first little drip of information: the Lions and the Chiefs. That's the kickoff. That Thursday night opener. You know, it's always a Super Bowl champion at home. They get to raise the banner, do whatever. The Lions in this game. Interesting. So, uh, you'll get the schedule tonight at 8 o'clock. Although, a lot of teams have already got some leaks. NFL season will kick off Thursday night, September the 7th, 8.20 p.m. on NBC. We do know the Colts are going to play the Patriots in Germany, though. So we got that going for us. That's about it. But you'll get the full schedule. I'm sure every team's got their own little release reveal video that their social media teams work so hard on. You'll get that a little bit later on tonight. Over to baseball, where the White Sox drop one to the Royals. 9-1 to last night. Lance Lynn, not great. Uh, rough night, five innings, seven earned, four strikeouts. Two homers allowed. Sox struck out a total of 11 times. Four of those came from Luis Robert Jr. Uh, I've been talking him up for the last few days. Dude's hit like darn near 500 over the last eight games. Struck out swinging four times last night. I watched that too, and it just looked like he'd get into an early 0-2 count. And they go after the exact same spot as they did before to be way off the plate, and he would just be like, yeah... I don't know what happened to that dude last night. I told you to take him for, like, a run. And, I mean, we were so on on the read with uh, uh, with Keller being so bad at, at the walks. I think he had four or five walks last night. He just couldn't. He looked so disinterested in swinging the bat last night when I watched. It was crazy. So that snaps his eight-game hitting streak. Game four is going on. Uh, it's supposed to be going on right now, but it is in the middle of a rain delay. It has not started yet. We'll see if they're able to get that one off today. There's plenty of time. So I don't see why they can't get that played. But I guess there's also some travel considerations possible. You know, these guys have got to be back home for tomorrow's game. It's a late one against Houston, 8-10, uh, with the first pitch tomorrow night. Uh, Kopech takes on France, uh, not the nation, the pitcher. When Houston comes on, uh, you know, JP. So that's their weekend, three at home against Houston. 
Meanwhile, the Northsiders avoided a sweep by the Redbirds, 10-4 the final yesterday. Justin Steele wins the battle of the lefties. Six innings, three earned, three Ks, three walks. Uh, Dansby Swanson, he's not been too bad as of late. He had himself another good uh, outing here. As uh, Dansby goes two for five, a run, two RBIs. Morrell, Hap, Suzuki, and Gomes all had multi-hit games. The weird thing is that these two teams will only play each other two more times before the All-Star break. That's it. And uh, that's when they're going to be overseas. A game uh, over in uh, England, which is slated for the uh, for late June, right? It's the uh, 24th and 25th. So the Northsiders are off today. Um, they get a road trip, nine-game road trip here. So they're going to head out to Minnesota, where it's Smiley taking on Gray tomorrow. After that weekend, it's down to Houston and then out to Philadelphia. Yeah, man, no, Swanson's been... Good over the St. Louis series. He's absolutely crushed them. What is it? two for five yesterday, three for five on Tuesday, and one for three on Monday. He had six RBIs over those three games as well. Only struck out twice. So what's that put? That put five, six, six hits. Uh, so it was six for thirteen at the plate. Six for thirteen at the plate. Two runs and six RBIs. Yeah, it's a good weekend. Brock Thompson has called it a career. The wideout who tried to battle back from a lot of lower leg procedures is going to retire from playing, said uh, on his social media, put together a video. Uh, it did not look easy for him to make. Uh, you don't like to see it. Thompson played just two games last season and re-aggravated a knee injury just after a couple of games. He spent his first two seasons over at Marshall before he transferred to Purdue, Uh, He played in 14 games for the Boilers, 33 catches, 485 yards, four touchdowns, and one hell of a Music City Bowl against Tennessee that uh, no one will ever forget. Down 5-0 early, Purdue baseball fought back but uh, could not overcome UIC last night. 7-3, the final there up in Chicago. Connor Castanetti uh, with a, a single twice. That extended his hit streak to 18 consecutive games, his on-base streak to 25 straight. Uh, it's Purdue's longest hit streak since 2011. Purdue has two more Big Ten series on the schedule, uh, and it'll be a, a tough one this weekend when they head down to Indiana for uh, that uh, Friday series opener is slated for 6 p.m. And there you go. That would be uh, today's need-to-know news. All right, it has not been a great, have been a great week here. When it comes to uh, our uh, best bets, we had a great week last week. We're paying for it this week. Law of averages coming back into effect. Uh, we talked about how great Luis Robert was, and the dude just—I don't understand it. I just don't. It's it's especially painful when you use a lot of very good data and then you get an anomaly like that. It's I look, I wasn't under the illusion that he was going to continue to hit every game this season, but 
in that matchup, you felt like, hey, he had a pretty darn good chance to at least get on base. Couldn't even do that. So uh, let's let's get back to it here, all right? Uh, if you go over to DraftKings, uh, our friends over there, another no-sweat, same-game parlay or same-game parlay X in the NBA playoffs. You can still get up to 100% boost on uh, your MLB same-game parlay if you want. A lot of limited options tonight uh, in Major League Bay. I think we only got like three games this evening. And uh, one of them, I don't think they've got lineups and starting pitchers out for yet, the late one. Uh, 33% boost on all your sports for same-game parlay X tonight. Another first goal odd surge tonight in your NHL games if you want to get in on that. So you got a lot of options tonight. Oh, I just saw this one pop up. Jokic, 25-plus points. Murray, 20-plus points. Boost to two plus one hundred. Off the top of my head, that sounds very good. Are they back in Denver tonight? I can't imagine that's not that that seems like a yeah, you need that. I'm sure Joker has gone over 25 uh, in each one of these games so far this uh, this playoffs, right? For him? In this matchup, 29, 53, 30, 39, and 24 against Phoenix in the opener. Huh. What's Murray done? So I need Murray to 20 here, 19, 28, 32, 10, and 34. Oof. I'm going to crunch some numbers on that. But that is interesting. Uh, but either way, again, you can get the same game parlay X tonight. I just, 76ers at home, they're still a plus 2.5 point home dog. Seeing what you've seen in that series, isn't it pretty hard to not take... The 76ers and points. Now what, they've lost both those games at home. And they haven't covered. And I tried to go back to the well here on that. uh, We we made some money last week with Brogdon uh, with the the player combo points, rebounds, and assists. Like over 20, now it's up 21 and a half and it's minus 145. I don't like it at that. I don't like minus 145. But if you're thinking about getting into that matchup right there, uh, that's a leg that I would at least consider if you're going to put together the same game parlay. I think I'll go over to the NHL tonight. And this is a heavy, they made Dallas a heavy favorite tonight at minus 190. Uh, two things that stand out to me. Uh, one is that the last two games have been very one-sided, and each one has won, and both these teams are one and one uh, on the road. I think this settles down. The last couple of games have been some real score fests. I mean, like really lopsided, like you know, six to one, five to two type games. I think that evens out a little bit more tonight. I don't think you're going to get the, the the wild swings that you've gotten the last two. 
which have been six, I'm sorry, it's been six to three and seven to two. Each one of these games has gone over at least six goals. I think the best bet here is you're over five and a half at minus 120. But I also do not hate Seattle in the puck line at plus one and a half at minus 155. Because I think there's a decent chance Seattle could still win this game. They're plus 160 on the money line. But I think you could do, and this is what I'm laying tonight, I'm taking the puck line for Seattle along with the total and we're at about like plus 250 right there. If you want to go easy, I think it's the over on the total that's the play. But I think this is going to settle down just a little bit here tonight in Dallas. But it's hard to debate you know, five and a half. We went nine in the first game, OT, six in the game two, nine in game three, nine in game four. Over five and a half almost feels like a gift in this one. I'm a little surprised it's not already at six. I think if you wait, it is going to be at six. So while I'm personally laying both those, I'll just go ahead and tell you the over in that Seattle and Dallas hockey game tonight is my play. I think Carolina probably beats the Devils at home tonight, too. I think the Devils are in a lot of trouble. They had that one breath of air that they needed in Game 3 where they got absolutely humiliated in Carolina, 5-1 to one and 6-1. to one. They needed a response. They got it. And then the Hurricanes went and humiliated them again, 6-1. to one. So I may even sprinkle a little bit on the uh, Carolina puck line tonight at minus 1.5. It's a plus 185. They've won three games, two of those in Carolina where they're playing tonight, and they've done it by multiple goals. I might even try a ladder in that tonight, too. I think hockey's where it's at tonight. I don't know if I'm going to mess with... not ready to mess with basketball. I'm just not. Is Wait, hold on a second. Is there? Uh, is it the Lakers tonight? And that's tomorrow night in Golden State. Because I saw that video about the Corgi, and everybody's going crazy about the Corgi getting the first... Uh, four games right? Or five games right? Is it five games? Yeah. So I totally want to bet Golden State in these next two. I, I just want to play. Have you seen the Corgi on social media? He's like at the top of the stage. The owner tosses up a basketball and he bobs it with his nose and it bounces down and it lands in either you know the, the Lakers or the uh, Golden State bucket. And the dog has gotten every game in the series correct so far. Five games, he's gotten it correct. And it, not not just like, hey, it would be three to two, like in the order. He's gotten each game correct. Who's going to win it? So I, I want to ride with the dog because I'm a degenerate. We're going to take a break. Brock Thompson is uh, going to retire from playing football. Uh, that was a piece that I think Purdue could have needed. So what happens right now for Purdue in the wide receiver room? Hey, let's talk about where we're at and, and what Brock Thompson would have meant to this team. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer. One- Hammerhead text line 765-447-4080. Not a complete surprise, but still not the news that you wanted to hear. Uh, yesterday, I want to say it was probably right when we went off the air, right after we went off the air. It was uh, Brock Thompson on his social media talking about he is uh, going to uh, retire. 
from playing. Um, you hate to see it. I don't see that to happen to any athlete, um, especially ones you know they they have dreams of going to that next level. And to not really get a shot at it, I, man, this game is cruel. Now he fought so hard through the Music City Bowl, through the surgeries, comes back, gets a couple games in, re-aggravates stuff. And just could not find a way to, to I mean, Lord, I, I guarantee that kid tried just about everything he probably could to get back out there. But the will being there, sometimes the body just cannot follow, and that's got to be it. Tough, real, real tough. But that is the game, unfortunately. And I I love the kid. I will never forget what I saw at that Music City Bowl and what he did. He will forever be a legend in that program for that performance. Forever. The little time that we did get with him was... Amazing. And for that, I thank him. But that does leave, you know, questions. What happens to that receiver room? What does that receiver room look like? You still got familiar names in there. TJ Sheffield, Mershon Rice, Dion Burks. Or they're all still there. You got, um, I heard good things about the redshirt freshman Zion Steptoe. But now you also you brought in a couple of guys um, in the portal. Uh, Gamage from Marshall and then the uh, the Florida Atlantic kid whose name is escaping me, and I'll get to it in a minute, I'm sure. It'll just pop in there. So you've got this room. You've got some talent here, but who now becomes, you know, who is the alpha there? Who is the guy? One of the big questions that you, you know, that you're pondering is how, how how does that depth chart shake out? And really, it's tough for us to figure all of this out because you have a new staff, a a new quarterback. You do not know who is got a natural rapport with Hudson Card. You do not know who naturally is benefited by. Graham Harrell's offense and the and what he likes to do. Is it going to be a speedier guy like Burks? Is it going to be one of the uh, the new guys are big, right? That's the one thing you know. I don't want to lose Brock Thompson, but. Also, that's not a guy that has been in practice working uh, with Hudson throughout the spring and trying to build that familiarity with. 
unlike you know TJ and, and Mershon, these guys here. So I mean, who becomes the alpha out of that group? You look at who's coming, you know, yardage wise, what's coming back. You know, Sheffield forty six catches, four hundred eighty yards. Rice twenty three catches for two hundred eighty three yards. I mean, that's it. You know, Tyron Trace is going to slide to the inside. Burke's got himself averaging like 10 yards a catch last year. You definitely see the potential there, but you lose Charlie Jones, who's your number one passing target by far. Payne Durham was number two on this team. TJ was three. Mershon was four. Maccabee was five. Then goes Tracy, Burks, and we're into Paul Paferi. So really, how how is this whole thing going to shift? I I would not. I'm not betting against T.J. Sheffield. That's for sure. It's not a name that I'm going to take off the list. But he's the guy that I look at. I mean, he's steadily been getting better, and this should be. You know, this is the fifth year. This should be the year here for him. If not now, then when? You don't have David Bell. You don't have Charlie Jones uh, eating up a big lion's share of those targets. They have to go someplace. And he's the most logical one. Charlie Jones had 110 catches, not targets, catches. They gotta go someplace. Especially in the air raid. They gotta go someplace. And I think there's gonna be, you know, the the rest on there can be 50 catch guys, but somebody's gonna have to be up there in the 80s to, to 90s for this thing to be successful. Can it be him? You know, Deion Burks with his speed, I think, is something. Uh, it seems like z- the early word I've heard on Steptoe is that he looks really sharp. We also haven't gotten the two new guys really in there working. Uh, so it, there's a lot of questions here. The good news is, uh, you, without Brock Thompson, you still have the bodies there in the room uh, that you need. But you've got a real real battle here for who wants to who wants to climb the ladder who wants to be the top dog here how does this all shake out i, I wish we would have a good answer for this like i said you can go back and take a look and say look it's probably tj sheffield's time But there's clearly some other challengers here. We have a whole new offensive staff. We have a new quarterback. We have a whole new system. It's almost a fool's errand to sit here and say, well, just because, you know, he's the returning leader in receptions that he's going to automatically be the guy. I mean, it's going to have to be earned. Not saying that he can't do it. Not saying that he won't do it. So as much as I wish we had some more answers, I had an answer or some great logic for you here. I think the the, the greatest knowledge is that we don't know anything what is going to be coming to this 
uh, wide receiver room and who really comes out on top, who's going to be on top once we get to the uh, once we get to the fall. Right? There is still chance to add somebody in the portal, absolutely. Whether or not wide receiver is going to be one of those areas now that Brock is gone, uh, I, I don't know. I know they still want to add another corner. That I've been told. But I think if they have an opportunity, find somebody like a wide receiver, that's definitely that's definitely something that's on the board that they would go ahead and take. So if you can figure this out, good luck. You'd love to have Brock back, but this is not a room that is completely devoid of talent uh, with him retiring. And also, too, reading, it sounded like that there might be an opportunity. He sounds like he wants to get into coaching, and there might be an opportunity for him to be a Grad assistant, maybe? I'd love that for Brock. That'd be great. We're going to take another break. Hey, hang tight. More Hammer Down Show next. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. Uh, they did get that White Sox game off and running into the middle of the second. Uh, we're tied 0-0. White Sox uh, with a pair of hits. But other than that, that's about it. Clevenger's gone full inning here. One walk, no strikeouts. Uh, so uh, nothing but uh, ground outs for him as we hit the bottom of the second. We'll keep an eye on it. Hey, look, I don't know what a reasonable expectation this point is for the White Sox. I, I just don't. Where do you set the bar at? Because what you've seen through the first, what are we at, uh, 38 we're in game 39 now. I mean, it hasn't been pleasant. We talked about at the end of the year last year how, you know, changes are just going to have to be made. Changes uh, certainly needed to be made in the coaching department, and they were. But that you were probably, you keep running it back with the same roster and, and guys just keep on getting hurt and, you know, you get a little mojo and then all of a sudden, hey, there you go. It's another critical piece hurt. Go on a bit of a losing streak. It was rinse and repeat for them. This year out of the gate has not been pleasant. I mean, 23rd right now in ops. Not one of the better hitting teams, sitting at 20th. Teams score a lot of homers against them, that's for sure. 18th in uh, in home runs hit. They do sit 12th in, in runs scored. But the defense is the pitching. Anytime they can turn around and rack up those, the pitching goes back and completely negates everything. So I mean, what do you what do you do? Twentieth and slugging. I mean, it's just. They're wildly inconsistent. 
They'd given up the second most home runs as a pitching staff in the league. I mean, their team, their team whip is second only to the athletics. Their team batting, you know, uh, average against sixth in the league. They've walked the second most batters in the league. Again, be just behind Oakland. And yet somehow they lead the league in strikeouts. I don't I, I don't get the pitching staff. I just don't. How can you lead the league? I can be second in the league in walks and first in strikeouts and second in home. That's it's mind-blowing. Second in runs allowed. There's such a gap. You should see the gap between the White Sox and the Athletics, by the way, in earned runs. Sox have 212. The Athletics have 274. And Oakland's played one less game. That's how bad Oakland is. You lose the A's straight to jail. You're done. So I don't know. What, what is a what is a reasonable bar to set for your Chicago White Sox? We have to have that conversation here. Because the scoreboard for them... It can't be making the playoffs. That's that's out of the picture. It's it's not getting there. Not unless the pitching gets re- remarkably better in in terms of the control in the zone where they walk less. In terms of they stop with the home run balls. Those are things that are you know, you're capable of doing, but I, I don't see an end in sight for that. You know, you sit seven and a half out behind Minnesota. What would you have to get that down to by the All Star break? And Minnesota looks good. I mean, you'd have to get that down to like three and a half, four and a half, maybe at best. By the all-star break, and I, I don't know that they can do that. And if you're thinking, well, let's just start thinking about the uh the, the wild card. They're farther back in the wild card than they are in their own division. Eight and a half out of a wild card spot right now. Eight and a half. So I ask you, what is if you're a White Sox fan, where do you set the bar here in wins? I I wish I had a better answer for you. I just do not. They got to be better. You look at what they got upcoming here over the next four weeks. And there's a chance to be better. Houston's always been that thorn in their side. I get that. But you got three against Cleveland at home. They're sub-500. You get another three up against this Kansas City team, who you should be better than. You go out to Cleveland for another three against sub-500. Then you head into Memorial Day weekend. 
and you got to go up to Detroit, sub-500. Close out man at home against the Angels. Three more against Detroit at home. And then it starts to get messy there in the middle of June. New York, Miami, uh, out to L.A., out to Seattle. Boy, that's who scheduled this for him? At home against Detroit on Sunday, June the 4th. They get the day off to travel to New York that Monday. So they got three in New York to take on the Yankees, June 6th, 7th, and 8th. Then they got to go back home to play Miami for three. And then they got to head out to L.A. and then Seattle. Oof. Not fun. But, yeah, you start to look at the back. I mean, you do get three. Uh, you got a lot of games against the Angels here. you got your whole Angel series you got to sneak in. you still got three more against Toronto. you got three against the Yankees, three against uh, the Dodgers. And, again, I just kind of throw my shoulders up and say, how in the world am I expecting them? Texas, they got uh, a few against Texas in there. They can do a little bit of a run here over the next, you know, through Memorial Day. But then after that, I just don't understand how they're going to keep pace with uh, with Minnesota or get in there enough to really make this into a thing. I it just there's no playoffs for them, but I got to find a bar, and I, I just don't know what is the reason. I have to wait till the All Star break till I really can set that bar for the rest of the season for them. Now, on the North side here, um, there were some signs of life there for a minute. But the crazy thing is you go back to the beginning of that road series against the Marlins, which was what? Uh, was that last weekend? Week and a half ago? And they've won four, you know, by beating the Cardinals, it's four wins now since that series. So it's nine of your last 13 that you've lost. The good news is, you know, you're still one of the best teams at hitting in Major League Baseball. You're still top 10 in runs. You're third in average. You're second in on-base percentage. You're seventh in slugging. Pitching's been solid. Fifth in team ERA. You're third in whip. You're fourth in batting average. There's a chance to turn it on here. And I told you, I, I did not believe in the Pirates sustaining the success that they had earlier. And granted, they lost, what was that, like seven in a row or something? They've lost like nine of their last ten. But, you know, Blue Jays, the Rays, legit teams. Losing two out of three at home to the Rockies is kind of embarrassing. They're going to go open up a series over the weekend against the Orioles. Milwaukee has not looked overly impressive to me. I mean, they're a middle-of-the-pack team in runs. They're not a tremendous hitting team. They're 19th in average. Slugging's 21st. On bases at 20th. I'm actually kind of surprised at the hitting numbers that they're sitting where they're sitting at. They've always relied on their pitching. And really, their pitching metrics aren't even overwhelmingly good. 10th in, in... Earned uh, run average, 12th and whip. I don't know anybody for Milwaukee, you know, pitching-wise, has really stood out to me either. I don't think they have anybody in the top 25 in, in ERA. 
You know, meanwhile, the Cubs, they got Mel Star and Justin Steele, right? 6-0 and right now. 1.82 ERA. That's the fifth best mark in the league. Cubs have a chance to help them out, too. They got Sonny Gray tomorrow, who leads the league in ERA. But Justin's metrics have been fantastic all season long. Whips almost at a one. You know, team's hitting 214 against him. Uh, he, he's been great. What a godsend he's been. And honestly, Smiley hasn't been there. I don't know why I feel like Smiley's been worse than what he has been. But if you just take a second and, and you look at, you know, his metrics, the 305 ERA is good, 3-1. and one. Sub-1 whip right now, which has been great. I don't think he's given. How many homers has he given up? One, maybe all season? Two. That was one of the big questions when we came into the Cubs season for me was, you know, what was what was that pitching staff going to do? I know by adding names like Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger, you already had, you know, Ian Hat, Trey Mancini. Patrick Wisdom, Suzuki was going to be good when he came. You knew you were going to be okay hitting the baseball. It was what was going to happen with the pitching staff. I know there's still some hope, you know, with the professor and everything. I'm just, uh, we'll see what happens with Kyle Hendricks. You need Stroman to be better than he was last year. And he has been. 228 uh, ERA has been great. Again, his whip is good, too. But I think Justin Steele, man, uh, just taken over, and that's been great. The three of them, tremendous. I you, Maybe they're looking at the trade deadline for somebody. Uh, Wes Neske is, I'm not that impressed. Gives up way too many homers for me, I feel like. I think he's got one of the lowest Ks uh, per nine on the staff. I know maybe it's not his thing, but I don't know. You get down to Wesneski and Tyen, and I'm just kind of shrugged my shoulders. And then you pick up a fourth one here somewhere around the trade deadline. Um, I, I'm not counting the Cubs out of anything, that's for sure. But they got a great three rotation right now. Those guys can stay healthy. And they keep hitting the ball like they do. Uh, the, the, the central will take care of itself for. Them. I don't have a doubt about that. Holy smokes! Spent a lot of time talking baseball there. Hold tight. We'll come right back. We'll wrap it up here on the Hammer Down Show next.